Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Uh, Hello, and thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. And just a couple of things I'd like to ask you to consider. Firstly, my guests share their personal stories, which others may see differently. No one will see a situation the same. It's just human nature. Uh, Secondly, my podcasts aren't suitable for children and some adults for that matter. So please consider if it's right for you and contact Lifeline or any other support service if you find yourself affected by my subject matter. Oh, and don't forget, my next show is at the State Library of Victoria on Saturday the 25th of June with undercover cop Keith Banks. I reckon you'll think twice about trusting anybody after listening to Keith. Uh, Tickets are through Eventbrite. Thanks. He convinced me that no one was going to believe me, so to have that actually happen was pretty horrifying and pretty traumatic. Well, as I said last week, you will need to take a Bex and have a good lie down after hearing my podcast today because the experiences that Georgia has with the police I hate to say it, and the courts will leave you wondering what has happened to our justice system. She's kept in the dark with what exactly her husband was in trouble for. Uh, She's fobbed off by the police with some really genuine safety concerns. And her treatment by the court is just gobsmackingly inadequate. Anyway, I can't say enjoy today because I think it'll make you angry like clearly it does me, but thanks for listening. And look, as um, my listeners know, I'm a huge advocate for policing and the difficult job that they face, but I will also not hide the fact that they do make mistakes. Uh, At times they provide unacceptable responses, uh, unacceptable behaviour, which I refuse to sweep under the carpet. And I suppose in my podcasts I need to address both the good and bad to give a balanced view of people's experience with police and their behaviour towards you is nothing short of disgraceful and as strong a a word as it is, I feel ashamed of how you were treated. Like, can you tell us about your experience with the police in relation to the arrest and the subsequent investigation? Like you said, the police never contacted you. Can you take us through that? 
Yes, so it still sort of surprises me uh, that they had been monitoring our phone communication, I found out afterwards, for some time. They had been monitoring his phone communication, so obviously that would include messages to me. And I am quite sure that there would have been some evidence of abuse within those messages. And it would make sense to me as an outsider that if you're going to arrest someone and then send them home, there is someone at home who has been the victim of abuse from that person who potentially needs protection or at least forewarning of Mm. what's happened. And Mm. as as you mentioned, I was never contacted by the police, which is disappointing. And I know that I wasn't a victim that I wasn't a victim of the crime that they were investigating and they've done an amazing job to have him charged. But it does shock me that, um, that yeah, I wasn't contacted by them. To Just just a heads up <laughs> would have been nice, I yeah. think. Yeah. And, and, you know, I could make all the excuses in the world. Well, I could try, but they wouldn't stick because I'm thinking, you know, you could think, well, he didn't tell them that uh, he had a, a wife at home. I know. Or he didn't tell them that you were pregnant, but they must have known because of listening to the phone calls or monitoring the phone calls. So they must have known. Interestingly, the um, next day after he was arrested at the hearing, a police officer, I'm not quite sure of the terminology, sorry, Norelle, you have to forgive me. That's but right. That was appearing. <laughs> I don't expect you to know. <laughs> the police officer yeah. who was appearing for the what I assume was the prosecution, um, yeah. actually approached me. He was a lovely man, and but he said to me, um, I assume you're his wife, and I said yes. And he said to me, how many weeks pregnant are you? And I said, I'm 20 weeks pregnant. And then he handed me a brochure for Partnerspeak, who are an organisation who assist the partners of offenders, uh, um, yeah, child sex offenders, I suppose, and he walked away, and that was the only communication I had. Did you ever contact Partner Speak? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think I did, Norel. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the police tell you nothing. You've been given a, a Partner Speak uh, Speak brochure, which mm-hmm. you know that's that's great. But yes. I mean, if that's all, and I'm assuming horribly, terribly that you're right. That was it, the partner speak brochure. Yes, yes, that was the only communication I received, yeah. So how did you find out what had happened to him or what he'd done? Uh, as part of our custody um, proceedings in the family court, we requested a copy of his bail conditions, which were provided to us. That was mostly the only evidence we had to go on for quite some time. I think in the end, I think my lawyer was trying to subpoena the details of what he had actually been charged with. Mm. But by the time we, you know, we were putting that subpoena together and I remember that, so he was actually convicted on the charges and The way I found out about the conviction was my dad saw an article in the newspaper on the morning after he was convicted and he called me to warn me that it was in the newspaper. 
that and he had were been names to. and names and everything were like there was no his, blocking out of names nothing. like we are. <laughs> nothing. His um, name. His name was in the headline. His oh. occupation was in the headline. The fact that he had been married and that when it, and his wife was pregnant was also in the headline. Um, and images of him were in the article that was published. Yep. And that was how I found out about what he had actually been convicted of, the exact details of the charges. Oh, did did you have people asking you or friends ringing you or and what did you say if they did? Before the conviction or after? No, after his uh, picture was in the paper, after the yes, yes. what he'd done, what was the result of that with your friends, et cetera? It was... Um, it's, it's hard to probably put it into words. I had told everyone that we'd broken up because he'd been cheating on me. A lot of, including most of my extended family, had been told that story. Um, and most people didn't, well, they kind of assumed that something else had happened as well, but given that I was going for full custody through the family court, given that the divorce had been settled so quickly and things like that, most people assumed that something else was going on. Um, but, yes, that day that his, his um, images were in the newspaper, I had a lot of phone calls. I had phone calls from my boss at work. I had, actually, unfortunately, a lot of people that I worked with actually, they knew him I had friends calling me and messaging me saying, this can't be true. And it was sort of one of those things where everyone puts their emotion onto you. So it was sort of me dealing with everyone's horrified reactions and having to explain myself, having to ex- it kind of guide them through the emotions, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, was, yeah, it was pretty difficult. So their reaction... To, to those people that you told, mm. uh, their reaction was uh, shock and horror, say. It wasn't, um, oh, was there anybody that said something like, oh, uh, he's been taken the wrong way or uh, I don't know, that they couldn't believe it? Like did you have any people that felt like that So said that? <laughs> so his side, his family um, and actually a few of his friends still – uh, on his side, I suppose. Um, they knew pretty early on about the conviction, his family, and or not the conviction, sorry, the charges that he was facing, and they sort of, I guess, believed the story that he fed them that he was just trying to uncover the ruse, and so they stayed in contact with him. A lot of them provided character witnesses for him in his criminal case, um, which still shocks me. Um and mm. so, yeah, most and a lot of them he still speaks to and still sees regularly. Um, mm. Yeah, I suppose that somebody like your ex-husband sounds like, in a way, he might have had the gift of the gab a bit, and mm. that he could, um, what's that word? Uh, oh, not trick, but he could talk his way out of anything along those lines to the point where they believed what he said. Uh, Definitely, you know, with that yeah. ruse. Definitely, yeah. to the point, like people described him as incredibly charming. People in my oh. family were absolutely horrified when they found out that a lot of them didn't believe it. Um, they were just so shocked. They said, you know, like a lot of people said, I think I'm a very good judge of character and I would never have believed this in a million years. Um, 
he actually convinced someone that I went to school with to start a relationship with him, even though she knew about, um, well, she actually read an intervention order that I took out against him, the application. She read, she knew the details of what he was being charged with and she had a young baby and she still entered a relationship with him and was with him for quite some time until DHS told her that she couldn't be anymore. It was, yeah. Yeah, so he's pretty pretty convincing and um, pretty charming, I suppose. Is that the young lady that you said rang you to ask, mm. did this really happen and can yes. you, you know, yes. can I hear she it actually, from your mouth? Yeah, yep. She, her, she, her mother contacted me um, after his, after the article was released and said, um, I believe you went to school with her. She's pretty... They, her parents didn't know, but she knew, but they said they were horrified that he'd been convicted. They had no idea what was going on and could I split, please speak to her to give her some more detail about what had happened. And I, um, you know, felt quite a lot of empathy for her um, that she'd, I guess, been tricked by him like yeah, a lot of people yeah. had. So I gave her a call and the first thing she actually said to me was, Oh, you detailed in your application for an intervention order that he held a knife to your throat. His side of the story is very different. Can you tell me what happened? And I just said, I'm not, I'm not having this conversation with you. I'm not doing this. And I hung up. Yeah. 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 Mm. Was the baby that she had, I'm assuming that wasn't his? I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I I was just going to ask, was it a, a, a boy or a girl? It was a girl. Um, the baby that she had, I believe that it was not his. Um, but as I said, he'd been cheating on me for quite a long time. So I am not, I couldn't tell you. And they got into a relationship very soon after we, um, broke up or I left him. Mm. So I, I suppose the yeah, only reason sure. I'm asking, oh, sorry. The only reason I'm asking that is his insistence that you only had a male child. Yes. Yeah. And I just wonder you know, I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, that little girl may have been, um, oh, there would have been concerns. Well, from my point of view, if I was investigating it, I would have had mm-hmm. concerns for her safety. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that he would sexually abuse her, but the fact that he's he said to you he was so adamant that he wasn't going to have a, a girl, yeah. I'm thinking, my goodness, there'd be yeah. all sorts of issues there. So, so Georgia, after he was charged, uh, what happened then? So he he went to court and uh, it went to committal. What happened then? After he was charged, um, not a lot happened for a really long time. I don't I don't really know the details um, of what happened to him. I know he continued working. He didn't tell his work that he'd been charged. As I mentioned, he got into a new relationship. Um, we went through divorce proceedings, sold our home that we'd just purchased. But um, that was about all I know of what happened to him in those months. He was out on bail, so there wasn't really a whole lot of repercussions for him in that period. Mm. Were were you ever at this stage, have you been contacted by the police or we've still only got the partner speak brochure? Yeah, sorry, that was just still the partner speak brochure. (gasps) Yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> so I suppose that leads me on to in terms of support, what yeah. were you offered and by whom? Um, at any stage. Yeah, 
given my financial position, I wasn't offered a lot of financial help. Um, I sought help from a lawyer. I went and saw a psychologist very quickly. Uh, and I was actually, I just happened to be referred to the enhanced midwifery program. So I had a little bit of extra help from midwife once my son was born. She would come and visit a few times a week and was always available on hand for me to call directly with any questions I had. But that was the extent of it. Yeah. I suppose I was actually alluding to the police. Sorry. But you, you, no, no, no. But it's interesting. So you've yeah. got, um, you've got support with yes. your baby, yes. with your midwife. Yeah. But you've got no, still no support from the police, no contact whatsoever. No contact from the police. I actually um, ended up approaching the police because he continued to harass me after I um, left him and especially after my son was born. He harassed me quite mm. a lot. He wanted my son's name to uh, my son to have his surname, which I flat out refused to do. He mm. wanted visitation rights, which um, I, I initially allowed because he hadn't yet been convicted. I didn't know the details of his charges either. So initially I allowed, I think it was two visits. Um, on one of those visits, it was at a pub- public cafe that I'd walked to with my son. He became verbally abusive, so I left and I walked home. He followed me home um, and was verbally abuse- abusing me. Then he tried to take the pram out of my hands <gasps> and he tried to take my son out of the pram. And I went and I reported that to the police because I wanted some help. Um, they referred me onto the magistrate's court because they said that there wasn't a lot they could do because I wasn't under immediate threat. <gasps> yeah. Please tell me that's not true. Yeah, that's what they said. And I, they asked for all of the details of the previous abuse that I'd suffered um, and they said that they would, they didn't take a statement, but they said that they would record it uh, and then they said that I needed to contact the magistrate's court. Georgia, my blood absolutely boils when I hear stories like that because as a police person, when somebody comes to you and there is a uh, a risk of danger, if there's any threats, anything where the welfare or safety of that person is of concern, the police must, not should, they must take out, uh, you know, um, protect you mm-hmm. and their, oh, their, the rule, not the rule, the law is that they need to go to the court and take out an intervention order on your behalf, they are not supposed to um, just suggest to you, oh, you might go to the court and I suggest you take out an intervention order. Mm -hmm. It is the law under the, I think it's the Family Violence Act or something. Yeah, sounds familiar. I'm going way back in my mind here. But it is their responsibility to protect you. you. And it doesn't matter who that person is that you are scared of, whether it's your father, your next-door neighbour, somebody at the shopping centre, it doesn't matter. Mm. It is their responsibility to make sure that you are 
safe. And the fact that he has actually tried to take the pram, tried to take the baby, you've told them all, well, not all, but let's say you've indicated to them that it's, you know, not the first time that he's um, been violent in the past, whatever, he's Mm. threatened you, and they suggest that you go to the court yourself. Yes. Yeah. I was hoping I had that wrong, Georgia. No, that was unfortunately what happened, yeah. And I remember there was a lot of times when I felt pretty scared and pretty hopeless um, just because I'm I felt sure you like did. because I wasn't, I guess, a direct victim of the crimes um, or that I'd never reported the crimes prior to that, um, there was just not really any any source of recourse for what was going on. And that is why... We need to talk about this, like you and I. We need to highlight the fact, and and we shouldn't need to highlight the fact that police have a job to do in relation to keeping the community safe. But it is, it just infuriates me. And that's why we now have a family violence unit. We have specialist detectives in these units now because. The community uh, realise and understand that a lot of people, you are, I I apologise, but you are so typical in a lot of ways because you are a victim of domestic and family violence, but you don't say anything because Mm. of the fear of threats, the fear of retribution. That is so typical. And Mm. I think the police uh, need to... uh, be better educated about, you know, you're not going to come to them when you've got, bru- well, a lot of people don't come when they're bruised all over or, you know, you know, you don't, it's not obvious a lot yeah. of times. Anyway, I'm getting on my high horse and I think <laughs> I'd just better take a chill pill and <clears throat> settle down. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> it is just, oh, I'm sorry. I Yes, I'm showing the colours here. So, can you share with us, so your efforts at protecting yourself, you've gone to the police and they've said, basically, off you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've gone to the court. You're trying to protect yourself and your baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what happened? Did you go to court? Yeah, yep. I applied for uh, an intervention order, a family violence intervention order through the magistrate's court. Uh, I got a hearing and during the period between going to the police and getting the hearing, um, there was actually, he'd been making threats that he was going to show up at my parents' place because he knew quite well where I was. Um, and just because he wanted to see my son and he said that, you know, things like if my dad tried to prevent him from coming inside, he would harm him and things like that. So I guess the threats was escalating as well. So I took all of that to the magistrate's court Um, And again, that was a pretty horrible experience. The magistrate said to me that if, well, the first thing he said to me was that I had taken too long to make the application between the incident at the cafe and when I was appearing in court. Um, And the reason why I had taken a while was because the COVID pandemic happened um, and I had a little baby and it was quite difficult to get out of the house with him. Um, but yeah, so I did, I went in and that was the first thing he chastised me for taking too long, said that he didn't think that an interim order was necessary because I had taken too long. And I think it had been probably a couple of weeks. And then he went on to say to me. 
This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com that if the violence was as severe as I was purporting that it had been, why hadn't I done anything about it sooner? See, that shows to me such um, – God, I'm lost for words. Like even the court, so the police aren't helping you, but yeah. then you go to court and that would be one of the hardest <clears throat> things I imagine that you could – anybody could do would be to go to court when you don't know anything about court, like you've mm. been thrust into this world you know nothing about and the magistrate is chastising you for not reporting it sooner. That shows to me he or she was uneducated about family viol- domestic and family violence. Mm. It is very rare that somebody will be um, offended against, like threatened or abused in some way and go straight to the police. I'm not saying it's rare, but mm. it happens more. Your experience is more general that yes, you wait and you think, oh, look, it'll, it'll get better yes. or, you know, I won't be believed. Well, hello. Mm. You weren't believed. Well, and that was probably one of the main reasons why I didn't because I didn't, well, because he convinced me that no one was going to believe me. So to have that actually happen was pretty horrifying and pretty traumatic. Mm. Uh, Luckily. Was it, just just as a matter of interest, was it a male or a female magistrate? It was a male. Mm. Yeah, um, it, like, to, and to think that magistrates in general you would think were highly educated mm. uh, intelligent people but for somebody and this wasn't this isn't back in you know 1987 this was no. in 2000 and what 20? 21 no last year 
what is our yeah what is our system doing yeah 2021 and they've got that attitude yeah oh georgia um luckily so, they did yeah, grant me yep. an interim order um mm. so that was quite yep. lucky it was pretty limited um, I'm sure you, you know, Narelle, that there are certain parameters that they can put on the order about limiting contact, limiting, you know, distance. They can make, hey, hey, yeah. let's, they can make any, well, within reason, mm. they can make any order, they can do all sorts of things with an intervention order. They yes. can stop you going to a, a certain place. They can mm. stop you from threatening, making phone calls. You know, And if you do do these things, then the person can be arrested for breaching an intervention order. Yes. But they can, they can make all these stipulations. He, he could have done so much to I, help you feel safe. The two things that I requested that he refused was that I didn't want him to be able to um, attend my son's daycare and I didn't want him to be able to contact me directly but only through lawyers and he refused to grant those two things. And I actually interestingly went back after he was convicted to get the intervention order extended to cover those two things and again they refused. Really? Yes. God, oh, I can't, I can't think of a, why you would not um, agree to that. Like what? Yeah. Why you would say no to? Because the chance, obviously, the chance of him going to the daycare and taking your son mm. would be huge. Yes. Uh, well, and yes. yeah, and contacting you. Oh well, I suppose the daycare people would know, but that's that's mm. not the point. Yes. Um, but. Also, but it's all about. It was just you for feel me, safe. yes, and for me, it was about ensuring that my son was safe and that there was every, like everything I could do to protect him was done. And yeah, that I couldn't do that, which was pretty disappointing. But I think disappointing. Uh, You're yeah. being very kind. Oh, I I try, I try. <laughs> everyone's. <laughs> I suppose everyone's got a job to do at the end of the day, and. Um, from what I can understand, each each person that I came across was doing their job within the realm of what they thought they could. No, they're so, not. No, they're not, Georgia. Mm-hmm. The police haven't done their job and neither have the court. Yeah. It was pretty – I think the worst part for me was what happened afterwards. Um, I was oh, told – Oh, no, please. <laughs> I, I can hardly bear any more. Go on. I was told yes, that he would be served with the intervention order – um, pretty quickly after it was granted and I called the police up in the few days following the hearing um, to just confirm that he had been served with it because I was fearful to leave my house because he had been threatening to show up at the house. I mean, at the end of the day, if he did and tried to, you know, hurt me or my son, waving a piece of paper at him not going to do a whole lot, but it, would, it was going to give me a sense of... Um, at least he knew that I had done something about it and he knew that there would be repercussions if he did. Anyway, so I called the police up in, and I asked them whether he had been served and they said no, he hadn't been yet. And that happened three times over approximately three weeks. And the fourth time I called them, um, and I should say that during those three weeks I was pretty fearful. I didn't really leave the house. 
I would go through she would be. A quick walks. I didn't really see friends because I was scared that he, I don't know, might harm them if I happened to be with them. And I was only really leaving for medical appointments. Um, I mean, it was during COVID, so there wasn't a whole lot I could do anyway, but I did really enjoy getting out for walks every day with my son and I was limiting that as well. Um, anyway, the fourth time I called the police to check whether he'd been served, they said to me, oh, he was actually served the day after the hearing. <gasps> so that was pretty So for three weeks you were in in fear, yeah. but you but and because and you didn't, didn't think it had been served need to be yes they told me three times that it hadn't been served and yeah the fourth time I called they said oh no it was served the day after the hearing and you know you say there and a lot of people say this oh it's only a piece of paper mm-hmm. but it's actually a very important piece of paper because it gives the police a power to arrest somebody if they breach the order Yes. And by breaching an intervention order, you can actually be remanded in custody. So yes. yeah. uh, it is, yes, it's a piece of paper, but it's actually a very powerful piece of paper that I don't think people understand how powerful it is because it gives the police that power to arrest somebody. Um, so could you describe to us how you managed through the, his court case and, and what happened to your ex-husband? Yeah, so in terms of how I've managed, I think my son gave me a lot of strength. Uh, My family were incredibly supportive and I was very lucky to have their support emotionally, um, obviously financially as well. Um, And I had a lot of really great um, friends supporting me. There was one in particular who um, was just there for me, rain, hail or shine. She, yeah, is incredible. So I think the support, um, the support of my psychologist, my family lawyer was also incredible um, and I'm very grateful to her. So I think just surrounding myself with the right people really helped mm. me get through it. Surrounding um, yourself with with um, posit- positivity. Yes. You know, yeah. good, good people. Yeah. And it's yeah. really hard. It was really hard on a lot of days um, to get out of bed. It was really difficult. But I had my son to look after and... I think to to a certain extent I've gone so far the other way where I just try so hard to do everything on my own for him now um, because I sort of clutched onto him so hard in those early days just um, for, uh, for a reason, I, I assume, for a reason mm-hmm. to keep going and to keep fighting. Yeah, he is the reason. Thank goodness yeah. he, you know, yeah. he's around. And so what happened to your husband uh, did he plead guilty or yes, he, was he incarcerated or what happened? Yep, so he pled guilty uh, to the charges. He said he pled guilty um, basically to benefit him in terms of what the sentence would end up with. He said he pled guilty but he maintained that it was all a ruse, like he was just doing it to uncover a ruse. Um, and I actually had to seek leave from the court to attend the sentencing hearing. Um, I wanted to attend just so I could get the details of what he was sentenced with because it was going to have quite a lot of bearing in my custody case. Um, of course it I, would. I, yeah, I needed the information to be able to present to the family court. Uh, so, yeah, I sought leave from the court to attend that hearing. I asked to remain anonymous in that hearing as well and they said, initially they said, oh, you can just provide your initials and that's all. 
and we won't call on you to identify yourself. But once I got into the hearing, they did call on me to identify myself. And after I had had to identify myself, they then said, oh, apologies, you were supposed to remain anonymous. And obviously there was a reason I wanted to remain anonymous because he was in the room and it was his sentencing hearing. But anyway, um, and so I have got in front of me the exact details of what he was sentenced with, but it was basically two counts um, of using a carriage service to groom a child under the age of 16. He was charged, oh, sorry, he was sentenced to two and a half years imprisonment on one count and 150 hours of community service on the second count. And he was listed um, on the sex offenders register for 15 years. Okay. He, I don't know the correct terminology for it, and I think it has since changed, but the two and a half year sus- sentence was suspended uh, yes. on payment of a $500 fine or fee of some sort, uh, yet that two and a half years sentence was suspended. So he didn't actually serve a day in prison. So what a suspended sentence means is that uh, he's basically able to leave the court and go out into the community. However, if he, as long as he remains, let's say, clean, if he um, commits any further offences, he would have to go back into. He would have to go to jail and um, serve the two and a half years. But yes. uh, to be honest, uh, he's got off pretty lightly. Yes, and what still surprises me to this day is um, the journalist who published the original article about him when he was convicted published a follow up article after he was sentenced, and he said that the details in the plea hearing, he basically pointed to a couple of points that the judge used as, um, I guess, excuses for his behaviour and why he had given a lenient sentence and why he had let him um, off. And I've just found the terminology on a recognizance order. Um, yes. And that journalist was basically talking about in the article how horrified he was at the lenient sentence and interestingly many of members of the community actually commented below the article saying the same thing that this person should never um, be you know should have served at least some term and what he had done was you know particularly horrifying um, and there was a, a pretty big outcry um, for the fact that he did get off with such a lenient sentence yeah uh, and we will go into at the um, at the towards the end, we'll go into uh, we'll read a bit of that plea hearing, the plea sentencing because it's it's pretty pathetic to be honest. Mm-hmm. But and so you've shared previously that the police base, you know, they've no doubt kept you in the dark, and they haven't done the job they were supposed to. But what type of information would you have appreciated receiving? And that you didn't get, and I think we've probably covered that. But let's go just go back over that. I think probably one of the biggest things, the biggest questions I have surrounding it is whether there were other victims. I don't think that that's necessarily information I would have been given, regardless. But I think that's probably one of the things that I still question uh, almost daily. Probably the other information that would have been particularly handy was <clears throat> details of. Um, his plea and his guilty plea, uh, why he pled guilty, which I got some information, but um, 
a lot of it couldn't necessarily be subpoenaed for my custody hearing. And I think I would have, like, I would have actually liked to have been given a say or even interviewed as a witness for his case, which I wasn't. I think, um, you, as you mentioned, we'll go into the details that went into his plea hearing and um, how that impacted the eventual sentence that he received. But a lot of it was lies and it could have been easily disproved. Uh, and so I would have liked to have a say um, or been interviewed by the pr- prosecution, I suppose, um, to provide you know further evidence as to his character. Were you ever given the opportunity to provide a statement about the the threats and the um, physical abuse, you know, the knife to the throat, uh, the pillow over your head? Were you ever given an opportunity to provide a statement and have him interviewed or charged with those matters? I was told that the abuse had happened too long ago to be able to prove any of it and because I'd never told anyone about it, uh, it would basically just be his word against mine and it would be very difficult to prosecute. Yeah, pardon me, that is fucking, that is bullshit. Um, it doesn't matter how long ago it was and I think I'm hearing, uh, you know, it would be too difficult. Well, sometimes, a lot of times... Um, investigations are not uh, provided to a detective or a, a, a police person, all tied up, all the loose ends done and, oh, you know, this is easy. It was, yeah, it might have been a little bit difficult, but, oh, I'm that bloody angry. Whether I would oh. have ever gone through with it or not, Narelle, I don't know. I think by that but stage. At least, but at least give you give you a choice, give you yes. an opportunity. Yes, yes, that would have been good. <laughs> but, yeah, as I said, I think I just really wanted to be able to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your experience with our justice system, yes, it was disgraceful. It was un- there, there are so many no- uh, words that I could use totally unacceptable in the way that the magistrate viewed your reasons for not reporting your ex-husband's behaviour earlier. Mm-hmm. As I said, it's uneducated and it's lacking on just so many levels and no wonder the judiciary is slammed for being out of touch with the general public. If your case is, doesn't prove that, I don't know what will. So what are some of these, uh, what are some improvements that you could suggest after having what I would have to call a less than satisfactory experience that you did? um, Where do you begin? (laughs) Yeah, where do we start? (laughs) Um, There's there's obviously a few things that I would like to have changed. Um, I think the main thing is um, the lenient sentence that he received was, was pretty appalling and still to this day horrifies me. The fact that they essentially took his word and his word alone for his reasoning for doing it, they didn't actually seek to prove any of it as fact as far as I'm aware and I I, I can say that pretty confidently given that some of the things he claimed could easily have been disproved. Um, That's probably the top of the list and I feel like justice selfishly um, really wasn't served whether I decided to That's not selfish. That's not selfish, Georgia. I think I was, in a sense, looking for some retribution for what I suffered um, through his criminal case, and I feel like, yeah, that justice really wasn't served. But in terms of what I suffered, 
um, or what I, I guess, went through. Um, I, I, I do find it difficult to fault the police because I do think that they do an incredible job, but I felt often quite brushed off. Um, and oh, you were hey, hey you were yeah. brushed off, yeah. absolutely. And I, I was disappointed um, about that. And I have seen a few other occasions um, where it's happened to other people as well, which is I still find pretty concerning. Um, and in terms of the magistrate's court, well, yeah, I don't really have a lot of good things to say about my experience there. I found it pretty difficult and pretty, uh, probably traumatic um, what I went through there. And I think anyone that I've told about what happened is pretty shocked about it. Um, oh, yeah. Especially given I was going up against a convicted criminal and that I, you know, found it so difficult to be believed um, and so difficult to um, kind of get the terms that I had requested put on the intervention order just to protect my little boy. It was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm thinking to myself, what possible reason could a magistrate have to not agree to the terms that you were after? And I'm I'm hoping, yes, I you know, I'm very I'm being very critical of them with your case and I think with the information I've been given from you or that you're telling us, sharing with us, I just can't imagine there must have been a reason, but I can't imagine what it was. And and just while we're on that, I might just mention that the I think I'm not I think. I'm not having a go in a way, I'm not having a go at the jacket detectives because their prime primary role is to um, uh, protect the public from um, you know um, the people on the internet, um, yes. pedophiles, child groomers. Yes, and they did get him. So yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but I think it's the local police that I'm horrified about. Where you've asked, for instance, for the intervention order, mm-hmm. uh, and they've suggested you go to the you know the local court, and the fact that they can't do anything because it's too long ago and whatever. Yes, that's not. A jacket responsibility. Oh, I'm, I don't believe it is. I mean, they're still police, mm. but I think that would be the Victoria Police that have that responsibility of you know chasing up any other charges rather other than the child grooming stuff. But yeah. Uh, oh, anyway. So next week, Georgia tells us how the system can be improved. Well, it couldn't get much worse, could it? And the plea that the judge took into account in sentencing her husband. Have a good week. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya.
Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A-T-R-E-O-N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.